All right, uh, guys, uh, I know this may be a surprise to you in your RSS feed, and uh, it's an episode that I didn't schedule and pop up. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to do a little supplemental episode because I got interested in, uh, with my gaming ADD, I got interested in uh, Kings of War. And I was lucky enough to to find a sort of local uh, Rob who runs the uh, counter-charge... podcast which is a kings of war podcast to uh pop on here with me and we're going to talk about kings of war so welcome rob uh thanks for having me i always love an opportunity to talk about kings of war so uh to me i want to say the first time i ever heard of mantic and kings of war it seems like a few years ago uh they were producing kind of alternative warhammer fantasy armies Correct, yeah. I mean, th- this is they're coming up on their 10-year anniversary, and I think their elf army came out maybe nine, eight or nine years ago was their first army, and then and then, but that really didn't really put them on the map. The second army they did was the undead, and yeah, up until really up until the release of the first edition Kings of War, uh, like in 2012. My memory is not great, but yeah, it really was. They were just producing alternative miniatures for Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And I guess when did they? What made them decide to go? Well, you know, let's do a a rule book. Well, I think, you know, I, I think what happened is you get to a point where you're making models and you have access to Elysio Cavator, and you're like, let's let's make a game, right? And they went ahead and uh, made made the game that nobody asked for, but everybody wanted. Now, uh, for those of us at home who don't know who that is, uh, can you tell me a little bit about him? What? Uh, yeah. What's his pedigree? Yeah, so Eliso Cavator uh, is from GW fame. Um, he's steeped in many, many, many codexes and army books and 6th edition fantasy battles, and he wrote the Lord of the Rings game. So, I mean, anybody that's played, most most players of the GW Universe games uh, knows know who Eliso is. And then, I guess, several years ago, he quit GW and spun off his own company called River Horse Games, and has been since doing contract work for different companies and making his own games. So, yeah. Yeah, interestingly enough, he actually, according to Wikipedia, he has a cameo in uh, Return of the King. Correct. Along, along with mm-hmm. Alan and Michael Perry. So. Absolutely, yeah. He, he's a pretty big name in, in, in terms of gaming, just in general. Um, and more recently, looking at what he's been doing, he's been doing a lot of uh, more board game stuff. Um, but he just did a Kickstarter, his company did a Kickstarter for... Uh, I forget Pacific Rim. It was a Pacific Rim mech game. Um, he's got like a Hunger Games board game. So he he's a labyrinth. I mean, he's got a you know like the movie Labyrinth. He's got a lot right, of unique yeah. properties that he's uh, he's involved with now. And you know, Kings of War was a thing a few years ago, and um, it, it's it's really he he created something great because it's still around. You know, so many years later. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. Um... Kings of War is I think the main thing for me is the uh, the basing the people that yeah uh, and I, I think it's for the Legion bases where people mm-hmm. just do a, just a, is a single base with all your guys on it and all these people are doing like a really cool diorama or, or whatever on it it's just really neat to me yeah so the big the big thing um, for those that may have played Warhammer Fantasy Battles the biggest physical difference of the game is that this is a unit based game. So in other words, individual models really don't matter. It's the base of the units. So, you know, like you said, there's a legion or a horde or a regiment or a troop. They all have specific unit base sizes, and then you put the models on there, and you don't remove them in the game. So what that allows you to do is very diorama. What that allows you to do is make dioramic – even know if that, I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'm going to say it's a word. Sure, <laughs> Dioramic bases where you can tell a story because you don't have to worry about you know we try to do that in warhammer where you cut the models you cut the things and you you make them all removable and they would like unit fillers and stuff but in this case you don't have to do any of that you can just make a mountain and put your guys on the mountain it's great look yeah i think the worst for me was putting together skaven and trying to get them to all fit on that damn movement tray, you know, with all absolutely yeah yeah the the tails and and everything else i could never get it to work right well and, and one of the Un, unchampioned, I guess what I would say, a uh, benefit is that your games go so much faster. Because, like in Warhammer, you would spend at least, at least I have dwarves where they all have to be ranked up a specific way or they don't fit back in the unit. It would take me, you know, 20 minutes to put my army back together after a game and go to, like, if you're at a tournament. 
in this case, you know, you may have 12 units. It takes like five minutes to pick it up and move to the next table and five minutes to put it back out. So that's, yeah, that's that's really cool. But I mean, I guess we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So if they just created a, uh, a bunch of figures for to and then came out with their first edition rule set, I want to say, you know, Age of Sigmar caused a whole lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, uh, among people, and I, to to this very day, I still run into people that are just angry. That yeah. you know they'll be playing Age of Sigmar at my local shop, and they'll walk by there and it's like, ah, fuck those guys. You know, I can't believe they did that. You know, I can't field my blah 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 whatever, and <laughs> you know anymore. It well, angered people so much that people, I would imagine, went over to Kings of War because I know personally myself, I like the the rank and file. I want to be able to maneuver. I want to be able to hit people in the flank. I really wasn't looking for another skirmish game. Right. Well, I think when, you know, we, we gently call it the Sundering. When that happened in 2015, I, I think a couple things became apparent. Um, number one, some people were angry because of the lore, right? The, the the back, I mean, I know I was invested with Black Library and all that, all that background. I mean, 30 years of history, man. It, it was great. It was, it was completely detailed out. It was an awesome place to play in. And so you, you, you've lost that, and they've created this new, you know, IP protected uh, storyline. And I get it. Uh, and then the other piece of it is obviously, you know, moving away from ranks and flanks to skirmish. Um, so there's those are kind of the two reasons why people may be upset. Uh, but the reality is they didn't all end up at Kings of War. I mean, I think, you know, certainly some people just stayed with it. You know, some people just went to Age of Sigmar and they played Age of Sigmar, or they played War Machine, or you know, uh, Malifaux, or uh, you know. So I think. There was definitely – I think what I, w- what I would say is that was the catalyst that expanded our hobby, right? So a lot of different companies gained a lot of players, and people's eyes started to wander out. So, you know, most of us up to that point were very GW-focused. We're, we're playing Warhammer Fantasy Battles or you know, 40K or whatever. But when that happened, it was like, okay, let's look over here. And um, the, those of us that were very ranks and flanks – type game system that that's the kind of games we enjoyed you know i was already playing kings of war so it, it made it obvious to just move keep you know if i wanted to play a, a warhammer fantasy battle eighth edition type game that was the logical extension and so that and so that's where i mean i was already there and, and a lot of people we call them warhammer refugees but uh <laughs> they um yeah so a lot of those guys ended up here and it's exploded um i mean i came out in 2015 that was the the we uh, second edition because obviously the person who runs Mantic is Ronnie Renton and he is XGW so I I would assume he had some inside information because he timed the release of second edition for the release of Age of Sigmar and so it was like perfectly timed to say okay here's our going from first to second edition here here's your chance because you know first edition with any game it, it wasn't great there was a lot of there was there was issues with it and I think with second edition Elysio went back into the game system and really cleaned up a few of the rules add a little bit more flavor, and just made a much better game. And so, uh, yeah, it's blown up. Now, like, um, one of my biggest complaints about GW games always, and even into this this current edition of both 40K and uh, Age of Sigmar, is, damn it, there's too much stuff on the table. There, there's, there is. It's, mm-hmm. it's either... The armies are too large or the table is too small. And we're already on a 4 by 6 table, so we, it's not really feasible to get any bigger. Uh, how big-wise are, are the forces in Kings of War? Yeah, so uh, from a model count perspective, it's probably fairly equivalent to what you would, would see. You know, like a, a regiment would be 5 guys wide by 4 guys deep, so 20 models. Um, the difference, though, is it's a, it's a base, and you can't change the formation. So you're not going to end up with, like, some goofy formation of like 12 wide by six deep or, you know, or anything like anything like that. So because the, the unit sizes are fixed, um, everything sort of just looks more cohesive and looks better on the table. It doesn't look crowded if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely moving like a large 20, 20 people in skirmish formation takes up a large space. I would say two and a half times more than like a regimental thing. Right. What, what about like how long does the game take to actual play? Yeah. So the game is, is you know, for those that are coming from Warhammer or other game systems, it's you go, I go. Uh, but like a 2,000-point Kings of War game may take hour and 50 minutes. It's pretty it's, – it's, it's, I mean it's to the point where our tournament scene, which used to play Warhammer, where we would play three games in a day, now can play four games in a day in the same amount of time. 
Yeah, I, I had read that, that it's a lot, lot faster. And in fact, in the actual rule book, it talks about like, well, if you guys are serious about like a tournament play, maybe you should use a chess clock. Yep, yep. Yeah. chess clocks are real popular because obviously that just eliminates any, you know, there's no possible way, you know, slow playing is a thing occasionally over the years. And, uh, you know, it's you've got your set amount of time. I've got my set amount of time. And if I run out of time, then uh, – I'm done playing, and you can you can complete your game because you have time left. Um, usually, when you run out of time, you will lose the game for obvious reasons. But you know, it doesn't doesn't it's not an auto lose situation. Yeah, I think they talked about like um, six rounds each opponent each person each person mm-hmm. player has uh, 45 minutes. Well, and that's something I didn't mention. The, the probably the, the one of the coolest things about Kings of War over, say, if a Warhammer Fantasy Battles, is that it is a random turn link. So we play six, and then on a four plus, we play a seven turn, which totally changes the dynamic of a game. If you're playing a scenario, and you know that what you need to do to accomplish the scenario, but you don't know if you're going to have a turn seven or not, totally changes the game. Hmm. Makes you yeah. makes you completely play the game differently on those five and turns five and six, because you, 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 could, you could be losing, but you, know, you, you can play for turn seven, or you can play in the hopes you're not going to get turn seven. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and tell me about the the tournament scene. Uh, I if what I remember from reading the rule book is correct, it was designed from the ground up for tournament tournament play. Yeah, it's it's a very clean rule set, very small, not a lot of pages, not a lot of rules. Um, it's I mean the the rules themselves are very very minimal, and um, it's honestly we don't have a lot of erratas. We don't have any rules discussions. Uh, the game is clean. Everybody pretty much, you know, like anything, there, there may be something that, um, you, know, you know, like newer players may not may not have fully understand the don't, don't fully understand the rule, but veteran players all, are all in agreement. And uh, in terms of the tournament scene, you know, uh, there used to be a U.S. Masters scene where they were playing Warhammer Fantasy. When they when Age of Sigmar happened, they decided voted to go to Kings of War, and so we are now coming up on our third. U.S. Masters events. Uh, this one will be held in San Antonio in February. So they have like a regional type uh, <clears throat> event and a uh, sort of a national type. Yeah. Event. So the way the country's broken out, there's actually eight regions, and each region uh, will send eight players to this event. And so there'll be eight players times eight regions, 64 players. And um, each region has their own way of qualifying. Like here in the Southeast, we have eight or nine events that you can go to from, you know, from Western Tennessee all the way to Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, you, you know, and everywhere in between. And, um, you go to these events and then you accrue points and you, you earn your way onto the team. Basically, um, each region is different, you know, uh, depending on where you live in the country. So, uh, what is their presence at Gen Con? Gen Con actually is one of the few events where Mantic actually, actually runs an event. They actually have an official Mantic run event, for Kings of War at Gen Con, and there's a Mantic booth. So um, that Gen Con is in Indianapolis, which is in the Midwest, and so that event counts towards uh, the Midwest uh, regional scoring. So if you live in the Midwest and you go to the event, you can that, that's one of the events you can go to to try to earn a spot onto the Midwest team. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate like a game that has like a, a vibrant tournament-type scene. Uh, you know, GW doesn't officially do anything, so it falls to the ITC. And honestly, I feel like they're more geared toward 40K than like Age of Sigmar. Yeah, I, you know, if you compare the two, I think what you, you'd find is that Age of Sigmar has a few really, really marquee events like Adepticon, where you're going to have 150 plus players. Um, so you're, you're gonna you're gonna have a few events that are really big. Um, Kings of War, what you're gonna find is there's probably a hundred tournaments in the, in the indie scene here. And they range in size from, you know, 20 people to, you know, maybe 80 or 90 people, maybe even a hundred. It just depends. Um, I would say on average though, you're probably looking at 35 to 50 is probably an average size for an event. And what are the key events would you say in the Southeast? Well, the Southeast, oh, let me just pull up the, there's a bunch of them. Uh, <laughs> in fact, over the last couple of years, we've actually reduced the number of events because there were so many events that it was uh, becoming difficult <laughs> for scheduling purposes. There was just there was literally too many events, and uh, it kind of it kind of there were so many events it was detracting from the individual event. If that makes sense. Wow. Okay. All right. So uh, in terms of events in the southeast, um, in 
every January, uh, another HMGS event, Siege of Augusta, down in Augusta, Georgia, hosts a pretty big 60-man uh, Kings of War event. Wow. Uh, and then February, we take the time off because we're all going to the U.S. Masters. Uh, this year, it's in – or next year, it's in uh, San Antonio. Uh, then in April, we have an event here in Memphis. It's a doubles event called the Blue Sea Brawl. Uh, then in uh, – I'm trying to think for next – I don't know if the schedule for next year is set yet, but I know there's going to be um, – uh, there's a there's a tournament usually in August in southern Georgia, like in around Atlanta. There's another event in October uh in Orlando, Florida, there's an event in Elizabethtown over Labor Day weekend, there's an event in Birmingham, Alabama in uh, early November, and there's in a couple Birmingham, of, really? in Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham's uh probably one of our stronger pockets of of Kings of War. Uh, they have some of the best players. Um and it might be because there are a lot of 40k guys, I don't know. They're just like real hardcore min-maxers, I'm not sure. <laughs> but they're uh, they're a strong crew over there. And then there's a handful of other ones. Uh like I mentioned, there's TNT which is part of Nashcon, which is going to be in late August this year. Um and then there's a few other events that I'm not sure if they're going to happen again, you know. Usually we have between 8 and 10 events every year in the southeast. And different regions may have, you know, uh, like Texas has got five events or six events so they have less of them but they're much bigger so like you know lone wolf which is in dallas texas might have uh, 90 players this year it's yeah it's just fascinating to me especially since it is a a company and a designer and everything that's based in like europe yeah it's weird right it's weird but i think the way the reason why it works is that you know elicio is a contract guy and has moved on to other projects and so mantic has turned over the reins of kings of war to essentially the rules committee, which are volunteers from the community that have been selected that play tournaments uh, to monitor the game and make changes as needed. And um, it works. And what, what they've done is they instead of instead of putting out books like every month, like I'm going to put out this Wood Elf book, what they simply do is they just put out one book every year. And it comes in December and it's called The Clash of Kings Update. And it's just a Simple set of tweaks to the game. They change a few scenarios. You know, throw out a few scenarios because there's 12 scenarios in the game. Uh, and so they'll they'll knock a few out and they'll add a few new ones. They'll make a few changes. If there's a problem with the unit, they'll they'll adjust it a little bit um, and just ban- re- try to retweak the game. I mean, the game is pretty well balanced, but you know, nothing survives combat, right? <laughs> I mean, you get That's you, true. you get it, you get it in the hands with a million, you know, with a you know hundreds and hundreds of people. Somebody's gonna find a little a little uh, loophole. And look, I've been fascinated in reading up on uh, Kings of War to see the stuff that Age of Sigmar stole. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I don't think it's just that. I think I think the community, I think the the hobby that we're in, the industry, they all share stuff, right? I mean, whether it's somebody from Warlord Games or somebody from uh, Weird Miniatures, I mean, they're all sharing cool ideas, and they're, they all want to make the best game possible. That is true. Or, you know, they're like, well, you know, you can't copyright this or whatever. Right. So we're, well, yeah, we're like gonna... like the, like the General's Compendium, right? That's kind of, you know, how you've done, I guess we're on number two or three now. But that's that that's what Mantic does. I mean, they've been doing that since 2015 or 16. I guess 16 would have been the first one, I think. But, yeah, so they've been doing that the last few years. And it's a great idea. It's a great way to balance the game. Give everybody and... one book. Yeah, it, it that's what they've been doing for Age of Sigmar, and like, wow, I, like I had no idea. Apparently, it, it Mantic was doing it first. Yeah. So just interesting to me. Yeah. The other, the other thing that they did, which you know, I, I give Mantic a lot of credit, is they uh, we have a lot of Warhammer refugees out there, and so what they did was they actually created an army book uh, called Uncharted Empires, which is essentially Warhammer armies with a few extras that that are Mantic, but so it gave. You know, these people with Bretonian armies or Skaven armies, here's an army list that you can use in Kings of War to make use of your models. And it was a really smart play because, you know, it got a lot of people playing Kings of War. Yeah, it really did because I, I have uh, the second edition rules and I had a little supplement. And I was reading through and I was like, oh, okay, this is um, – these are the the ogres from Age of Sigmar. These are the uh, – obviously the Skaven, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all all this different stuff. So it was really interesting to me. Yeah. To see that it was all available. Now, one thing I really, really like about Kings of War is it is figure neutral. Right. Play with whatever you got. I mean. Yes. Yep. You you do not have to to have like the official, you know, whatever, because it's been interesting to me with Games Workshop lately. People are, you know, they're starting to say, okay, 
you guys cannot use any uh, third-party whatever. Not a shield, not a sword, not a, uh, a shoulder guard, which has really screwed a lot of people because I know like one guy locally has some uh, knights for 40k, and he's completely done them up with LEDs. Technically, that's illegal in an official tournament. And well, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a double-edged sword for Mantic because obviously they want you to play with the armies that you that you that you have, right, to get you over to play the game. Same token, they they're just like GW; they want to sell you models. But what they've done is they've taken an approach where they're not as heavy-handed, right? They you know they they realize yeah. that play with the models you got. If you like the game, you'll come back and you will eventually build a Mantic army. Because, I mean, let's be honest, there's 21 armies in Kings of War. That's a lot of freaking armies. They don't make models for all of them. They don't make models for most of them, you know. Uh, so, you know, a lot of armies out there, they, you know, you play with whatever, you know, like they don't make really uh, like Kingdoms of Men, which is kind of like your, your empire styled list. They don't make any models for that army. So play with your empire knights. Yeah. Absolutely. I know, like, personally, I love dwarves when it comes yep. down to, to fantasy. And uh, so th- there is a whole bunch of different companies. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool dwarf figures. And so it's just neat that you can actually feel them. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would say, like, in an official Mantic event, like, they, they offer some really crazy prizes. At the, what they call them, Clash of Kings, which is, like, their, their big flagship. Like, at Adepticon is their flagship event. You know, if you win Clash of Kings... With a, I think it's 90% Mantic Army, they're going to fly you to the UK to play the champion over there. So, <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, there's they, they, they do incentivize you to play with their models, but they don't require it. You know what I mean? So they, they try different ways to incentivize you to, to buy their stuff. And, you know, honestly, you know, they're just like GW, I think. You know, if you look at GW 20 years ago. Their models were a little hit or miss. They they continue to get better. And the same thing with Mantic. I think some of their stuff they're putting out now is really out of out of the world. I mean, some of the resin models they're making are fantastic. Now, okay, who came up with it first, Mantic or GW? The um the sea elves. Well, I, the well, so we ha- so in Uncharted Empires, there's Trident Realm of Neratica. Right. Which That's essentially was a was uh-huh. so. You know, in some ways, I would say it's GW because GW used to joke about the fishmen, right? Right. That was kind of Nantic's nod to the fishmen. Uh, and then GW went and one-upped it and actually made actual sea elves. But the Trident Realms aren't really elves. They're they're naiads and different water creatures and stuff. So, um, you know, I think the sea elf thing is pretty much a, a, a GW thing. Okay, but see, I looked at those, and I'm like, wow, okay, they totally stole that from Mantic. It's just the way it kind of looked to me, but, you know. Well, it's funny you say that, because, you know, because of the way that the industry is now, you know, there's a lot of people that are making models that are rules agnostic, agnostic, you know, they don't, they're just making models, (laughs) and they don't really care what you're playing, you know, and even GW would be, they might not admit it, but the reality is that there's people that are buying Warhammer models for other game systems. And there's a lot of people who play Kings of War with their old or even new Warhammer armies, and nothing wrong with that. It works. Yeah, I mean that's like kind of like what they were, you know, sort of designed for. Because I, I I think like Kings of War is like the only place you can um, play Tomb Kings. Yeah, Empire of Dust. Exactly right. Um, it's and, and what's really interesting though is it's it's not like an actual like with their uncharted uncharted Empire armies. They're not like a one for one replacement for the old army, but you know they give they make they allow you to make use of most of your stuff, right? Like they may not have every single thing that was in a Tomb King army, but most of it's there, and you get the feel for it. It feels kind of like an you know a Tomb King army, but it plays like, its own unique way. I, I like uh, they had werewolves for the um gosh well there's the herd the herd has has yeah. some and so does the undead has has werewolves as well. So there's a lot of like the the common uh, you know, fantasy uh, units are in several armies. Like different elementals are in different are in different are in different armies. For example, too. I've actually been like kind of poking around for a um a dwarf starter. A mantic dwarf starter? Yes, a mantic dwarf yeah. starter. The, the, you know, it, it's funny because you know we talked uh, mantic dwarves are probably like I think their third army that they made, and they're okay. But you know, it's either uh pe- a lot of the older armies people either love them or hate them. You know, it's just one of those things. I, I've always had an affinity for the older GW dwarves 
and they have a very different aesthetic than the mantic dwarves so um yeah it's it's just one of those things about art right everybody has an opinion what's right. what's yeah, what's absolutely. in their favor so but so many uh companies make really cool dwarves that absolutely it's like a cyborg mm-hmm. um from poland mm-hmm. i uh was running a well, sale and I ordered a, a unit of ten for them of dwarf veterans just because yeah. they looked awesome. And I'm Bob, like, Bob Miniatures is another one that makes some fantastic looking dwarves. Windmaster Miniatures. I mean, there's like probably ten different companies that make models. Uh, the difference though is a lot of them don't make the full range, and so you know uh, if you're playing like for example if you're playing like I'm one of these guys that wants to have everything look the same, <laughs> so I don't like I don't like mixing matching different ranges. And so when I when I do buy an army, I typically will find a range that's complete that will make all the units that I want to make for that army list that I'm that I'm that I'm making. Look, man, uh, one thing that uh, came on my radar and I talked about it on the show uh, months ago or whatever was uh, that Dadgum Dwarf, um, the the War Engine, the Steel Behemoth, the big four legged Walker thing. Yeah, yeah, it's that amazing. Gun, that thing, that it's, looks amazing. Cool. it's amazing. Yeah. They have they, they're making resin models in house now, and I I I I I challenge anyone to pick up one of their newer monster kits and tell me that it's not as good as Forge World. I mean, really, and it's half the price. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, I mean, it's it it's the it's silky smooth detail. It's crisp. It's well cast. I mean, it's it's nice stuff. I mean, yeah, this, you're talking like retail fifty dollars, I think, for some of those. Yeah, which you know, behemoth. Steel Behemoth, yep. It's a yeah, great model. Yeah. Ah, it's just really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, of course, you know, anything that isn't Games Workshop is – it's immediately at least, like, 25% cheaper. Yeah. It, yeah. I, You know, honestly, I haven't bought a, King, uh, a GW model in a long time, but, like, five years ago when I was buying – or three years ago, four years ago when I – last time I bought a model. I mean, they were they were always been expensive. Um, look, they have great quality. And if you like that aesthetic – you know, I'm not I'm not always a fan of some of their design choices, but I mean they make good looking models for the most part, and it's good quality. But you definitely pay for what you're getting. Now, um, I want to say Vanguard was yep. kickstarted not too long ago. Is is it this kind of their version of like Age of Sigmar, where it's kind of large scale skirmish? No, it's it's really more like I, I hate to use the analogy, but more like Mordenheim, if you remember that game. Yeah. So I do. it's like twelve guys. That's it. Really? Yeah. It's it's. Ronnie called it uh, fantasy black ops, and so it's so they actually in their fantasy universe they've got all the different so they got at the very base level, you know they've got this vanguard game which is you know a, a small scale skirmish like squad on squad type situation played like on a three by three table you know real or two by two table. Uh, then they also have a game called Dungeon Saga which is basically like you know uh, like your classic dungeon crawler where you've got a couple characters and you're leveling up like in an RPG fashion. And then you obviously got Kings of war. And what's interesting is they're all, they're all compatible. So you can take one character from one and play in another and vice versa. All right. So you're telling me Vanguard is, is kind of like a 10 or 12 models per side on a, what size? Like, I think on? I actually haven't even played a game yet, but it's like two by two or three by three. It's a small little table. It's a little battlefield. Like, if you're playing goblins, I think when I priced it out, I think there's 20 models in a goblin list because they're so cheap. But if you're playing like a big heavy list like ogres, there might be like seven models. Dude, that sounds fantastic. It's cool. It's very cool. And it's really, uh, along with that release, has come out a lot of new models. And they're all in Kings of War now because with the Clash of Kings 2019, which dropped. This month in December, uh, those those units from Vanguard have been put into the armies, um, into the various armies that are supposed to be in. So, yeah, I noticed like the dwarves have mastiffs that they throw or you know whatever. I want to model them with. I need to find some twenty eight millimeter uh, corgis to to model them as. But you know, absolutely. Well, that you know there actually is a company that makes twenty eight millimeter corgi like models. Really? Yeah. It, actually, they're like at. Like uh, I'll have to send you the link, but they're kind of like uh, they're kind of like a like they have two different versions. They got ones where they're standing up like they're humans, and they got the corgi head and all that. And then they got one that they just kickstarted where it's like a dog body, and then it comes up. It's almost like a uh, like a centaur, but it's a corgi. If that makes sense. Huh. 
Okay. It's uh, yeah. Really, really... I see. I see. Stonehaven makes some smaller ones. Mm. Uh, they make twenty-eight millimeter ones. Um. Yeah. So, but massives are awesome. Yeah. Mass massives in the game at Kings of War are a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah. And see again because it is figure neutral. I can you know play with whatever, whatever you got. <laughs> well, and a lot of us that are really heavily invested in Kings of War, what we end up doing is you know we'll build a non-mantic army. You know, with whatever we have. Like, I'm building one now that's just miles I already had. Uh, and then the next time, I'll probably build another Mantic army. And then we just kind of, you know, flip and flip back and forth. And so that we feel like we're still contributing. Because honestly, it's hard to contribute to Mantic because the models aren't that expensive. Like, like a mega starter army is like $150, you know? Yeah, and that, it, and that a... gets you like 80% of what you need for like an army. So, like, you know, it's it, – it's, uh, it's it's nowhere near what where you're used to when you're coming from GW. Okay, so Vanguard was kickstarted recently. Yeah, like it was well, actually it just so. yeah it was in, it was last year and it just delivered in October, and so now the rules are available and most of the kits are available online through their store or through your you know friendly local gaming store whoever's stocking Mantic. Um, yeah, you can you can get the models. Like I don't know if you've seen their new giant, but they have a new. Uh, giant kit. It's a like a PVC material and it is crazy big. It's like eight inches. It's 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 probably the largest miniature I've ever seen for fantasy wargaming. It's ridiculously big. Yeah, and he's twenty five pounds. Yeah. Although although looking at this now on the uh, Mantic website, he has a one star review. <laughs> I don't know why, because the guy didn't write <clears throat> whoever it was didn't write one. They were like, eh, just one. Yeah, star. Hey, it's a good kit go. though. I, I do have one, and it's uh, it's a it's a good kit. It's well put together, and uh, hard to beat the price for a kit that size. Because um, like I said, that's you know you pay retail if you go onto the Mantic website, but you, you know certainly your your local gaming stores that do that order this stuff for you can get it for less. Now, is there any particular um, place that you order from besides your friendly local well, gaming so, store? I Memphis is weird because right now we don't actually have a friendly local uh, gaming store that carries um, Mantic games. I mean, basically we have the Memphis uh, store, uh, the Memphis GW store, and then we have one called Mid South Hobbies, which carries mainly just 40k and Warhammer. Um, but the store that we go to the most, I'm pulling up the website, make sure I got it right, is a good friend of ours who runs a lot of events. He actually runs NashCon. It's Wartime Hobbies. And the website, you know, just look up Wartime Hobbies. And it's out of Nashville, and it's good prices, free shipping. He has all the stuff there. Um, actually, I think he carries not just Mantic stuff, but he also has, like, Warlord game stuff as well. So, um, so is it it's boltaction.us? Yeah, that's the website, yeah. And Wartime yeah, yeah, Hobbies, yeah. yeah. So it, Todd Perkins is the guy who runs it. Well, actually, his wife, Cindy, Cindy runs it. Todd's just the, the figurehead, right? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, super nice guy. He runs a lot of events. You know he he, you know he's been a big champion of Kings of War the last uh, three years. He's been a big help in really growing the scene as well. Now, I'll tell you one. I actually bought into Kings of War probably a year ago uh, because I was looking for a small scale uh, fantasy thing, and then I bought some Pendraken uh, mm -hmm. ten millimeter armies. Yep. Because people like are like, oh yeah, it's easy to scale down. Just get you a two by three. Uh, playing area uh a mat and then you know just play it like you would normally yep you and can I, do I've that. that you can do that as well basically what we do the the the, the cliff notes are you base it like you base Warmaster if you've ever played Warmaster. so you're using those 20 by 40 bases and that's your your basic unit size and you can scale that down to a small table but really, we play – here's what's crazy. We just take those small models, put it on a 4 by 6 table, play like 10,000 points a side, and we're done in two hours. You know, we, we have some rules where you know we're not adding any special magical artifacts. We're not, we're not casting a bunch of spells. We're just throwing dice really and just smashing two big armies together. Uh, but it hmm. works great. It's great. You know, we don't change any of the rules, and it works, it works awesome. Yeah, I knew um, – I, I saw in the uh, Facebook group a couple of people – we're like, oh yeah, we we actually have some small scale, you know, we we do it up here and oh yeah, there's uh, four or five of us that have armies, you know, I've got a, a Varanger army which all made out of Warmaster uh, Warriors of Chaos. We have another guy, and another thing I should mention about Kings of War, they actually have a historical supplement as well, so you can play historical armies if you want to. So you know, uh, English army, Romans, whatever, and so we've got ten millimeters perfect for. Uh, for, from the, for some of those armies because 10 millimeter ancient armies 
historical armies are, are a dime, you know, a dime a dozen. There's a million places to get them. Absolutely, yeah. And I actually uh, noticed that, I think, on your uh, podcast, your last episode, or at least one of them, uh, the more, the more recent ones, uh, you interviewed somebody about the uh, Kings of War historicals? Yeah, so we had Ray Shields, who's out of, uh, he's actually Canadian, but he's living uh, in the Mid-Atlantic area. And he came on, and we kind of, we, we don't, I would say historicals aren't super popular in terms of what you see out there on the tournament scene. Um, but you have a few guys that really like the, really like the historical lists, and play them and so it was fun to have ray come on and we chatted about the historical book which is just a supplement and it just it just bolts on to the regular kings of war uh basically it's just a bunch of army lists with a few rules tweaks now how does that actually work how, like okay what makes the kings of war rule set stand out well number one is very minimal rules right so the rules get out of your way unless you just play the game well, that's probably the number one thing uh it is you the the unit based thing can't be overstated the fact that you're not removing casualties it makes the game it's just a fast clean rule set that's the best way i can describe it how to take me through a turn yeah so basically if you're playing a game it's very familiar to what people may be playing like they played warhammer right you have your two armies you line up you, you deploy um and then on my turn i'm gonna move i'm gonna shoot i'm gonna go into melee uh, but what's different though they have streamlined the game where you know, things that you have never been able to do before. Like, you can move through your own units. Um, you can, you know, the charge distances are fixed. If you remember back to 8th uh, edition uh, with the random charge distances, if you remember back to, like, I guess it was 7th and 6th edition fantasy, where you had a set charge distance, that's what Kings of War is. So you know exactly how far you can charge. And you can you can uh, measure any time you want. There's no rule about pre-measuring. And then the biggest thing is... Uh, it's also very um, – uh, it's not true line of sight. So it's systematic line of sight. So a little bit like if you played War Machine maybe where they, the different size – different yes. units have different heights and terrain has different heights. And so the way they interact affects what you can and what you cannot see. Um, but Yeah, a- a- absolutely, where it doesn't have to be actually modeled a certain way. Correct. Like where you can physically yeah. see it. I mean certain models or a certain height. I think we all love the idea of true line of sight. It's just cool. You get down the table and you can see. The problem is, practically speaking, it's difficult because it ends up with more disagreements, right? Because like, well, can you really see the tail of that drag? You know, this just eliminates it. It's just – it's very simple. It makes it uh, – and that's kind of where – you know what I said before? It's a tournament game, Right. That's one of the things that it is a nod. It is it's built to be streamlined, fast, as a tournament game, and like things like systematic line of sight make it so there's no arguments. All right. So what else would you say to convince somebody to to play it? Somebody who is a war gamer, who is a miniature gamer, who plays other systems. What would what would you say to them to cause them to uh, play this? There's no cost. Just show up and play a game. You 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 probably have an army in your closet that'll work. You know, uh, just take a piece of cardboard, cut out a shape of the unit base, blue text some models on it. You're ready to play. It's that simple. Learn to, you know, and the rules are uh, actually the base rules are free on their website. You just go download them. You don't have to pay for them. Um, like the book that you buy has a little bit more stuff in there, has like uh, write ups and that kind of thing. But, you know, you don't need to buy anything to try it out. In fact, that's the way all their games are. You try them for free by just downloading them off the website. So there's no risk. There's no cost. Um, you should definitely try it out. And you know, if you're if you're frustrated by a comp- complicated rule systems that are complicated for what sometimes I feel like they're not. They don't need to be complicated. This is a refreshing change, and I think you'll be mildly surprised by like you'll go like I'll go to a tournament and I'll play six games. And I will have no rules discussions, not one, not a single one, because the rules are very clear. There's there's no there's no discussion. It's it th- that is the rule. It's very clear, black and white, and we don't need to discuss it. Everybody understands it. So, uh, you know, I mean, at, at a Bastards event with 64 players, you know, in that event with I don't know how many hundreds of games that is, I think we had two rules questions the entire time last year. So, I mean, it, it's. It's a game that really doesn't need a lot of explanation. You just really the, – the one caveat I would say, though, it's not a game you can try once because to really get a feel, I think you need two or three games to really get a feel for it because you play it once. What you're going to probably do is if you're thinking like in terms of Warhammer Fantasy, you're going to say, oh, well, I'm missing charge reactions 
or I'm missing whatever formation changes or I'm missing pulling off casualties. That's going to be your initial reaction, possibly. But after three games, you're going to forget all about that. And you're going to like the fact that they don't have all that extra stuff because it makes the game fast, fun and, uh, you know, just just clean. Now, I noticed it actually has uh, battlefield cards. What are those? So that's like uh, if you want to have like a more of a narrative game, like a fun pickup game. That's a set of cards you can play to just spice up your game. I know Age of Sigmar has something similar, I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, so, like you yeah. play them. I mean, you probably play Triumph and Treachery, the the old Warhammer supplement. It's along that lines, right? Where you play a thing and it gives you a special bonus, and it's wacky and it's not balanced, and but it, it's fun. It's a fun for a change of pace. Now, uh, what would you say the actual background of the game is? In terms of like the 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 lore. Yes. What's the lore? So the lore, Kingsley? you know, I would say it's pretty. You know, the, the game hasn't been around that long. You know, I think the game, I think first edition beta, uh, first edition dropped like in 2000, probably 2000. No, no, sorry, 2010. Yeah, so the game would have dropped, the first edition would have dropped around 2010 in the beta. And they have slowly been building up the lore. It is nowhere near like what you would have come to expect from like, say, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, which has 30 years of, you know, Black Library history. Um, but it's very analogous to. You know, the old world, if you would, right? It's got that same thing. It's the Mediterranean Sea is sort of there, and there's these these properties around it. And it's it's high fantasy, right? It's, you know, the world is on the brink of destruction. It's that it's that whole thing that uh, a lot of people love. And they're still fleshing it out, but, I mean, there's enough there to really to sink your teeth in. And every year goes, they add more. You know, they've got they've got a Winged Hussar Publishing publishes novels and and they're slowly adding to the lore every time they write up a, a supplement or because they've done several like scenario books uh, or campaign books and when they do that they add uh, they add stuff to the to 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 the lore and one of the things that's really unique is they're not afraid to to change the world so like you know we had a campaign a couple summers ago and uh, things the the outcome of the of that campaign actually changed the map. Right, it, it changed the, what's going on, um, and they've actually just hinted at the world is bigger than what we think it is, and so we're expecting next year some big things, you know, some maybe some new new geography that we haven't actually been talking about yet to populate, you know, to, to the map's gonna is gonna increase in size, and we're gonna see some even possibly some more areas, more armies, more more lore, if you will. That's cool. Yeah, it always gives them a chance to do, you know, yeah. different units and yeah, races I mean, it's, and it, whatnot. It's got it's it's classic in the sense that you know it's got dwarves, it's got dragons, it's got elves, it's got ogres, it's got all the 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 fantasy tropes that everybody likes. But it's got unique things too. Like it's got the night stalkers, which are basically creatures that live in your mind and they they live in this dimension world and they're evil and um, their take on they call them abyssal, but they're basically uh, Dante's. You know, uh, Dante's Infernal kind of thing. So they live in the, the, the various rings and they're down there with their pulling, pulling sl- tortured souls down. And uh, it's just, you know, all the basic fantasy tropes are there, but they've got a lot of new stuff. You know, uh, Trident Realms, the one I kind of mentioned, uh, you know, it's basically like uh, it's water naiads and it's water elementals and that, you know, Leviathans. And, you know, it's just awesome. You know, they they really if there's if there's a type of army or a type of fantasy race you want to do they have 21 armies with a couple more on the way there's you know they've got something that they've got something for almost every player at this point now one of those you mentioned i actually forgot uh, i was going to mention uh one of those basically seems like fantasy tyranids yeah the night stalkers well actually yeah. they, they've actually got an army that'll be coming out uh in february uh and there's it's a mix of resin hard plastic and pvc and it's kind of went away from the Tyranids because they didn't make the army when the book came out. I mean, Archer and our Empires came out in October of 2015. And so until the Vanguard release, we didn't actually have any real Night Stalker models. Um, so a lot of people did end up playing with like Tyranids and, you know, gribbly spiders and that kind of thing. But the the direction they've taken it in is more like horror would be the best way. There's like scarecrows and deformed monsters and these these terrors with all these mouths. I mean, definitely head over to the website. There's lots of pictures up this week of the new night stalkers. And, uh, it's a very interesting army. It's definitely their own, their own spin on, uh, a fantasy army. 
And where can you see these? Uh, you can just go to the Mantic website. They have a blog. You click on that, and there's they have an article this week talking about uh, the the new. Here I can send you the link. <clears throat> there's a there's an article talking about the new army for Night Stalkers that's coming out in February. Okay, so it's in twelve days of Christmas. Exactly one of those yeah. one of those days they talk about the uh, the the new Night Stalker army, and so they they it's interesting because they have a couple hard plastic kits for their like core units and then there's a few other kits that are resin and you know some of their big gribblies are big resin kits and then they mix in some some pvc stuff as well so uh it's a full-fledged army now and so it'll be interesting to see uh what people do with it now um do you get into their um uh, their sci-fi at all so uh, we have um I not 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 as much of a sci-fi guy but we play a War, little warpath we, yeah well warpath dead zone is really their popular system uh which okay. is kind of like it's it's kind of like the the science fiction version of Vanguard. In some ways, Vanguard was kind of the the fantasy version of Dead 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 Path. Uh, Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Dead Zone yeah, excuse yeah. me. So I mean, basically, it's that would be Kill Team. Yeah, exactly what, right. Yeah, and yeah. it's been around for a long time. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, that was their large one of their larger Kickstarters. I mean, I think it made like one and a half million dollars or something. Yeah, because uh, they were doing squat. Exactly quote, right. Unquote. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they've got uh, so that game is fantastic if you haven't played it. Um, it's uh, in terms of terrain, it's on a small table like a three by three, and it's very very heavy terrain, right? So it's kind of like Infinity, um, but the rules aren't like Infinity, which <laughs> which is a big thing. You know, Mantic's thing is the rules should be easy to, easy to follow. Sure, absolutely. And so yeah. we we do play a lot of Dead Zone, um, Warpath, and the other version. Warpath is kind of like their giant epic scale. Right, and then there's Firefight, which is kind of a, analogous to 40k. I don't, I haven't played those games, but the models are awesome, um, you know. And it, they'll have them at, uh, they'll have both those systems being played at Adepticon. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, I think Mantic has the Hellboy license. For walking and Walking thing. Dead is their big one, right? I mean, Walking yeah. Dead is 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 a money maker, right? It just they're printing money, and uh, but Hellboy, right, yeah, right. is going to be releasing pretty soon. Um, but yeah, and actually, their Walking Dead license—they're actually going to be up to this point. It's been like a cooperative board game, and so they're actually going to be turning it into like a more of a traditional miniature game, where you have like small factions going head to head. And uh, Dungeon Saga is something I'm interested in. Dungeon Saga is great. Uh, you know, it's a it's a well-written game. It's a it's you know it's it's Warhammer Quest, right? It's that kind of style, that that dungeon crawl. It's you know uh, Super Dungeon Explorer. It's it's that kind of thing. Yeah, you got these characters, right, right, and you're right. going through the thing, and you're fighting bad guys, and you're you're leveling up, and it's it's fantastic. There's a lot of different uh, supplements, and it's not expensive. So yeah, if anybody's interested in that style of game, they should definitely just pick up the base game and uh, try it. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, Rob, I I appreciate you coming on and talking to me about Mantic and uh, Kings of War. I really think like it's it's something I'm interested in doing, mainly because I could I love dwarves. So I can get all these cool figures and I can put them together in a force and maybe play with them. But the the idea of actually going out, because uh, it's not very far, and doing the, the tournament thing sounds really, really cool to me. Yeah, yeah. We have, a like in Memphis, which isn't that far from you, you know, we have a very active club. Uh, there's probably 12 of us. And on any Saturday, we have a clubhouse. And on uh, any Saturday, we probably have five or six guys playing Kings of War. And, uh, yeah, we're, we go to all the tournaments. Somebody from the club just goes about to every tournament or every tournament in the Southeast. And we do a lot of traveling, you know, we'll do like 10, 10, 12 tournaments a year. So it's a, it's, it's a fun, it's a, it's a fun tournament scene because coming from Warhammer where, you know, you had those, those guys, (laughs) you know what I mean? Those guys, there's not that many of them in Kings of War for whatever reason. Um, those type of guys, that I'm talking about with air quotes, uh, they prefer games that have that gotcha moment where the goal is to build this really crazy list that your opponent doesn't expect so that you're going to surprise them that, Oh no, that's not how this works. This works this way. Yeah. And so your army doesn't do, you know, that they, they like that style game and that's not what Kings of war is. And so, uh, cause Kings of war, you win or lose on the table. You don't win building an army. Yeah, or in the dice roll for who goes Correct, first. Correct, right. You know. Yeah, I will say, though, you know, the dice roll is really interesting because, you know, who goes first is very strategic because depending on the scenario, there may be 
advantages to going first or second. However, because you don't know when the game is going to end, it's mitigated a little bit. And it's not like, you know, I've heard some horror stories of other game systems where, yeah, you win the first turn and then that's it. Well, uh, yeah, you should hear more from me. And, you know, honestly, there's been a couple of guys in the Jackson area, Jackson, Mississippi area that have talked about it before with me. Like, you know, hey, we, you know, what do you think about doing this? And I'm like, well, I've got it in 10 millimeter. And they're like, eh, why don't you know, why don't you do this in 28? And I'm like, eh. But uh, well, now I, I, I could definitely see de- definitely, definitely interesting. Well, you, you know, well, there's actually been people that actually have based their 10 millimeter stuff on 28 millimeter basis. And they just <laughs> so like they basically build the unit and, they, you know, they're using just they're basically using 10 millimeter models and putting it on the 20 millimeter basis. And it looks fine. And they've we've they go to tournaments and because it's it's model agnostic, they don't care what models you use. Really, the only rule is. It should sort of represent what it's trying to be because, you know, sometimes it can get confusing. You know, if you've got a giant monster, but this monster is really supposed to be a unit of guys, you know, you want something that kind of looks the part. Right. But other than that, as long as it, you know, oh, does he have a hand weapon and shield? Yes. OK, that makes sense. Cool. I get it. Yeah, I think the rule book talked about like, well, it should be around around this type of, you know, this number. Yeah, so they have what they call uh, minimal model count. You know, they're, they're recommendations, right? And some tournaments will give you incentives to making sure that you're, you know, well, here's what you don't want. You don't want a unit base with one dude on it, right? You want it to look like a unit. So they give you some minimum numbers that, hey, this this is enough to make it a unit. Because yeah, like, I spend, spend, yeah, spend a little bit of money. A, a horde is is a horde of infantry is forty guys. They make models. Orcs are a classic example. You can't put forty orcs on a horde base. It's not going to fit. You might get thirty. So, you know, we, up here in Memphis, we use this thing called the rule of cool, which is if it looks cool, it, it, it's you, it's fine. That's that's what we want. We want it to look good. That's it. So it's like the troop is is supposed to be like just ten guys, ten small bases. And then it's is that regiment horde, regiment legion? regiment is twenty guys. Then a the horde okay. is forty guys. And then a legion is is the next size up, right? It's uh, you know, it's ten. It's just bigger. You know, it's, it's four. You know, uh, just much bigger. Um, but the point is, generally speaking, like if you're talking about a regiment, it's a minimum model count is the 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 next size down. Plus one. So it's really 11 guys is the minimum model count for a regiment. And 21 guys is the minimum model count for a horde, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the, the whole, yeah, the basing thing has always interested and fascinated me. And uh, yeah. You can do a lot of stuff with diorama bases. I mean, honestly, and even Mantic is really bought into it. When they're, their first few armies, like their dwarves, their undead, and their elves, they all came with like square little bases. Like they were obviously made with the intention that they would be used in other game systems. But now they've abandoned that. Now, now they don't even, they, they just give you bigger bases and uh, you know, uh, they're not molded into their feet, for example, and they're just designed to multi-base. You know, that's the, that's the wave of the future. Once you, once you play a game with multi-basing where you're picking up a whole unit, <laughs> it changes your, it, it's, it's just, it's a magical moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I really think that's cool. And I, I'm very excited about my Dwarven veterans coming in and actually building them for it. And, uh, yeah, I may hit your guy up in uh, Nashville and order a um Absolutely. A starter. Todd, Todd will hook you up. And all their army boxes come either like in a small starter set, which is like, I think it retails for 89 which is not that much. And then they have a, uh, a mega army, which is a little bit bigger. Um, but, yeah, it's it's, you know, and I should mention for anybody else out there dabbling, um, unlike other systems, you know, there's a free website that you can use to build your army. It's called easyarmy.com. So uh, you just head over there, you click on Kings of War, and they've got different versions. Like uh, you can click on it and you can build an army and see what you need. And it's all officially backed by Mantic. So none of this guy's doing shady stuff on the side. No, he's he's legit. It's it's all Mantic likes him doing it. Yeah, um... They use Flame of War. I think Flames of War has a thing on there, too, maybe, or Bolt Action well, or something. Well, Bolt Action, Bolt Action, action. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I saw that. Um, and I was surprised they ended up over on Easy Army, and I actually fooled around with it a little bit. Let me ask you this. It's like, how many, um... How many points would be the starter? Yeah, it depends on the army, but, like, you know, I would say, like, a starter army is probably, like, 750 to 1,000 points. It depends. Like, you, if, you, if you're if you smart about it and you use minimal model count, you can stretch the models, right? Uh, and then, like, 
their mega army is probably you know twelve fifty to seventeen fifty somewhere in there. It just so what is your what is your average tournament? Size? Yeah, so our in the southeast, I, I would say two thousand eighteen fifty to twenty two fifty is kind of the sweet spot. With two thousand was the most common size, but we've kind of started to fluctuate a little bit. So anywhere between eighteen fifty and twenty two fifty is pretty common. So okay, so the, the eighteen fifty yeah, that's I mean that's sounds familiar, you know, with uh, Games Workshop style. Yeah, I mean, like a 2,000-point army is probably, you know, 12 to 14 units. You know, it's 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 very analogous. You know, it's it, if you put it on the table, it'll look very familiar to what you've seen. Past. Now, what role do, like, special characters play? They don't play any, really, other than, you know, characters in general are just another unit. They don't join units. They're just support functions. There are some that are better than others and some that, ha- that can make more of an impact but characters typically are not going to – well, I can say this. Characters aren't going to win you the game, unlike in other other game systems. Okay, yeah, that that is an interesting point to make because that does, absolutely happens in other systems. I mean, there are so, good characters that, that, that will make an impact on the game, but they won't win you the game if that makes sense. I mean, there's there's characters that can be very effective at doing uh, guerrilla tactics and tying up big bad units or taking out chaff or taking out war machines – but uh, by and large, characters are just another uh, just another unit, and that's the way they should be. Okay. You know, and I should mention too, spells. You know, magic is just a form of shooting, <laughs> and so it's just a support function, um, and, or offensive. It can be, but it's you know, uh, there's no like, I'm gonna del- I'm gonna throw twelve dice and I'm gonna delete your unit. There's none of that stuff. That's not there. They don't have those. They don't have they don't have those <laughs> kind of spells. Now I will say I have seen people complain about that yeah. online that uh, they did not like how the magic system works for uh, Kings of War. So I, could you just talk about that just briefly? How it actually does work? Yeah. So magic is a shooting attack, and so it, it happens in the shooting phase. And so you're a wizard, or if you're a wizard, a character that has a, a spell can cast a spell. Same way you you can do one shooting attack per turn, whether that's a spell or a bow. Um, I will say. It's changed a lot this year in 2019. They've actually added a lot more spells. Um, they've actually introduced this thing called legendary spells, which are you can have one of them in your army because they are a little bit more powerful, and they want to make sure that you're not spamming them 100 times. Um, so there's a lot more variety this year, and there's even like faction-aligned spells. So if you're a good army, there's some special spells for you. If you're a neutral army, there's some spells for you, and if you're an evil army, there's spells for you as well. So there's a lot more spells than there than there was say back in 2015. Hmm. Okay, so that would be the just the magic system. And we've talked about like how it plays, how you build an army. Is there anything else that you would mention about to how to get into Kings of War? I, the biggest the biggest tip is you know uh, go on Facebook. You know depending on where you are. You know if you're in the U.S. go over to uh, you know kingsofwar.us and just say hey I am here. And I can guarantee you that within a day or so, there'll be two or three guys that say, hey, we're in this area and you'll find you'll find some guys to play. Now, that's not to say that, you know, if you're in uh, Montana, it might take a little while to find somebody right? because they're pretty, pretty spread out. But if you're in a especially if you're not too far from a a metropolitan area, uh, there's I mean, it's being played everywhere. It's just a matter of finding the people to play with. Yeah. Like I said, Jackson, the Jackson, Mississippi area, there is a lot of potential here. For it to 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 grow, yeah. Um, it, the idea of pushing around ordered units does appeal to people. Um, the uh, tournament system, lo- you know, in driving distance appeals to people. So yeah, I yeah, I think it could grow here. Absolutely. So it, yeah, you got it's a great system, and I, you know, just here's the thing: just try it because you won't be. I would say. 95% of people that try it like it. There, like I said, there's a few people that really um, either like skirmish games or they just like more narrative gaming. Because, I mean, this obviously, you know, if you look at a game like, uh, well, even like Malifaux, right? It's 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 crunchy, right? The rules are crunchy and there's a lot more to it. And uh, it's, you know, this is a game that's void of complication. I like that. I do. I I like less com- uh, less complication, less arguing, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a good system for sure. Yeah. 
Well, uh, Rob, I really appreciate you taking out the time to uh, talk to me and answer all my questions, and hopefully this helps some people that are listening, and uh, yeah, and we'll help grow the hobby. Absolutely, and if anybody wants to follow me, just go over to Facebook and find Countercharge Podcast on Facebook. We'll be happy to answer any questions you got, or even if you're in an area you want to know where to go, trust me, I know people everywhere, so we can uh, put you in contact with the right people in your in your geography that can show you a game. Um, because we're always looking forward to just growing the hobby. Because it's always better when we add people to the game. Absolutely. Always should be. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, sir.